Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about the curse, the curse in Joshua 6, 21 to 27. Now there have been many so-called curses throughout history. Think of baseball, the curse of Beirut. The Red Sox sold Beirut to the Yankees, and as a result they were under a curse and couldn't win a World Series for so many years. Unfortunately, sadly, that has been broken. They've won a couple now. But uh, for many years they couldn't break that curse. But then it was the White Sox with their curse because they were the Black Sox because they made that, the, they had that gambling scandal that cost them almost 100 years of World Series. And finally they broke that. And then it was the Cubs. The Cubs, they offended the guy with the goat. But even that last year was finally broken. So there are no more baseball curses at this point. At least no well-known baseball curses. Now, these curses weren't real. But we're going to look at a real one in the Bible. And we're going to see today how it applies to the United States today in America. Next week, we're going to look at how to break the curse. So don't miss next week. Make sure you listen to part two because it's very important how to break the curse, how to live free as individuals. But today, we're just going to really focus on the country and how the curse affects our country. Now, we had just talked about how the walls of Jericho had fallen down. It was an amazing miracle because of the people's faithful obedience plus faithful perseverance. We end up with fantastic results. With these amazing results, God knocked down the walls in a miraculous manner. But as soon as they were knocked down, we now see that God gives a warning. A warning. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your spirit would speak to us through your word today. We pray for your mercy and grace to really hear it and to own this and to let this change our hearts and our minds and our lives. We pray that you would break anything in our life that is blocking our relationship with you or your purpose for our life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Joshua 6, starting with verse 21. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it men and women, young and old, cattle and sheep and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she had hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations, at the cost of his youngest will he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Okay, let's start here with verse 21 again. They devoted the city to the Lord, and destroyed with a sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle and sheep and donkeys. Then verse 24, Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. 
So we see that God had given Joshua the command to kill every living thing. Ouch. Why? Why this severe action? Because this was God's judgment. This was God's judgment on Jericho. Genesis 15, 16, when God said to Abraham, when he was showing him the promised land, but he said, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. But it had finally reached its full measure. The cup was finally full, which is a warning for the United States today, USA Today. And now we see that God had sent his judgment in the form of a destroying army. Sometimes God uses so-called natural disasters, the storm, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, to judge a people. Other times he uses famine. He uses famine or pestilence. And we see this all over the Bible, how he uses these different types of judgment. But he also uses war. He uses invading armies to carry out his judgment. And there was a reason why he used a, an army to judge the Canaanites. There's a reason why he used them to judge the Canaanites, but because he, not only was he judging the Canaanites, but he was also warning the Israelites. What do you think he was warning them? If you ever stop obeying me, and you turn to idolatry and the effects of idolatry, you can expect the same thing. And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Ultimately, God had to send the Assyrians and the Babylonians to judge the people of Israel because they did not heed this warning. And, and I know a lot of people have talked to me and said, yeah, well, you know, you know, I know the Muslim terrorism is bad and militancy and all that, how they kill everybody, but the Bible teaches the same thing, doesn't it? Not at all. The Koran's killing is open-ended. The Koran teaches very clearly that a Muslim can kill a, a non-Muslim. Christians and Jews can be killed, enslaved, anytime, anywhere, any point. It's open-ended. Hundreds of years ago, till now and beyond. That's open-ended. When God gives a judgment like this, when God sends somebody to kill, it's a specific, it's specific. They can only attack the one nation that God has commanded them to attack, and it's because they're being judged. And God uses, and, and God used Israel to judge many nations, and he used nations to judge Israel. That's a dramatic difference between God's word and the Koran. It's completely different. So, why did God say to kill every living thing? Why did he judge them so severely? It's tough, isn't it? You read this? What about that loving God we've all been talk, told about in America? Well, we know he's loving, and we've talked about it many, many times. He sent his only son to die for us. But if we all just say God's this great Santa Claus God up there with his bushy white beard and looking to hand out loving things, we do not know the one true God. This is a picture of God's judgment. Remember the Old Testament is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. This is a picture of God's judgment and his wrath on sin. And understand something. Every living being was killed. Every living person and living creature was killed in Jericho. Every living 
being that has ever lived on this planet or ever will live on this planet deserves the same thing. We all deserve to be killed and burned. We all deserve hell, eternal punishment. We deserve that because of our sin. And this is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Also, the Canaanites are a type of sin. We're going to learn this as we go through. Each different Canaanite group is a type of sin, a picture of sin. And what, what were they told to do? Wipe them out. Because we are called, once we become Christians, we're called to completely eradicate sin in our life. And if we don't get rid of sin in our life, if we allow any sin to remain in our life, it's going to haunt us. In fact, in Numbers 33, verse 51, it says this. This is God speaking to uh, Moses. He said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I've given you the land to possess. Then you go down to verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those who you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Because they are a picture of sin. Once we become a Christian, we're to take that promised land. We're to, we're to gain our spiritual victories. We're to claim our promises. We're to defeat. And if we don't, that sin, just like the Canaanites, that sin will haunt us. And haunt our, our, our legacy. It will haunt us. Very, very important to kill it. Also, the reason they were told to kill them all at this time... They were all, that was also to protect the Israelites, physically and spiritually. God said, wipe them out. It's to protect them spirit, physically and spiritually. Spiritually, so that they wouldn't turn to their idols, right? Remember these, the intermarriage? We're going to talk about that as we go through the book of Joshua. The intermarriage, and they turned to the idols. They wiped them out so they wouldn't follow their idols. But also, physically, it was also protection for them. <clears throat> There's a physical reason why God said to kill every living thing, per, human and non-human, in Jericho. Archaeologists, if you've ever studied any archaeology, archaeologists have discovered, uncovered, just how depraved the Canaanite culture was. I don't even like to talk about this, but, but idolatry involved disgusting sexual Practices. It wasn't just you worshiped the idol, which is bad enough, but it was what you did while you were worshiping him. And, and it involved incredible, disgusting sexual practices. And as a result of this sexual depravity, sexually transmitted diseases were rampant. Rampant. Everybody had them. Young and old, because they just passed down. They had, they, mom said, baby, they still had the effects of this, these diseases. And that's why they were all killed. That's why God said, kill them all. It was unbelievable what, what they were involved in, the entire culture. Even the animals had these diseases. Now, how would these animals get these diseases? Because they had sex with the animals. You think it's disgusting? Uh, I'm not telling you to Google anything, but pornography in the USA has this pretty widespread and it's starting to be practiced. There's a reason why God said in Leviticus 20, Leviticus 20, verse 
15, God said to Moses, If a man has sexual relations with an animal, he must be put to death and you must kill the animal. If a woman approaches an animal to have sexual relations with it, kill both the woman and the animal. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. This was common in Egypt. When they came out of Egypt, they had left behind the Egyptians, but sex with animals was very common. Cleopatra, you've all heard the stories, right? It was very, very common. And not just in Egypt, but when they went into the land of Canaan, into this area, very, very common once again. I know it sounds disgusting to us as Christians, but, but uh, uh, it, just as today you see diseases that jump from, hum- from animals to humans, you know, all these different things that we've dealt with, uh, it was very likely that the sexual diseases were being spread back and forth in this culture. So sexual perversion and disease is so rampant in Jericho that God has them destroy every living thing. Other times you see, and as they go through, God will say, destroy the city, but, but spare the girls who haven't had sex yet and the children. They were spared. And they could if they, they could keep, not kill them at different times. Why? Because obviously at, in those city-states that they were taking at that time, they didn't practice animal sexual relations, you know? Uh, so the animals could be spared. And also they, the, the STDs that they had weren't spread outside of sexual contact. So they were allowed to spare them. There were different kinds of sexually transmitted diseases. And God was very specific in each time with his judgments. He spared the animals because there wasn't the diseases being spread sexually. And he spared sometimes the children and the women who hadn't had sex yet. Once again, the the diseases weren't being spread. God is very specific in his judgment. But in Jericho, their sin and its effect were complete. Complete. And God says completely wipe them out. Which is why verse 22 is so amazing. So amazing. Look at verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp Verse 25, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now notice, first of all, they were put outside the camp. They were quarantined because they had to wait and see did they have these diseases, right? See if they were infected. But God, they didn't have any. You know why? God had miraculously, this is crazy, in this culture, which is completely depraved and everybody's messed up, God had miraculously preserved Rahab and her family. It's a miracle. It's an amazing miracle. He had preserved them spiritually. In the midst of this horrible culture, complete idolatry, he had preserved them Spiritually. Amazing. In fact, back in Joshua 2, we see what she says in Joshua chapter 2 to show you how, and we talked about this, if you weren't here, go back and listen to Joshua 2 and 3 when we talked about Rahab and how God had, how we know she was already a believer in God, but God had prepared her heart and and spared her and and kept her. Verse 8, chapter 2, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, 
I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and earth below. She had already put her faith in the one true God. The rest of Jericho didn't. She turned to the one true God when she saw what he was doing. That was a miracle. And here, in the most unlikely place, Jericho, in the most unbelievable depravity, God had called and preserved the most unlikely person. Hebrews 11.31 By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. The prostitute Rahab. And what made this even more incredible is that she was a prostitute. If anybody had been, would, would have ended up sexually infected, right? It would, you would think it would be a prostitute. But she wasn't. She was not infected. In fact, she ended up marrying a prince of Judah. And if you were here at Christmas time, you remember that she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That is a miracle. God miraculously protected her spiritually and physically. Just like us, right? Can't we all share that same kind of story? How many of us were preserved spiritually when the rest of our family has not turned to Christ and they are lost spiritually, but God, all of our friends that we grew up with are lost spiritually, and yet God preserved us and we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're not facing his judgment because of that. How many of us has he protected physically? We should be dead. We should be completely messed up. We should be completely maimed because of what we did the, the, the drugs and the sexual sin and the alcohol and we think of all of our friends we think of all of our friends who are dead or messed up and yet God miraculously spared us and I was talking to Linnell on the phone this week and, and, uh, and I said Linnell I was talking about this and I, I said could you share a couple of minutes because we all could share the story but I, his story is I think very very moving so uh, go ahead Linnell. Good morning family praise the Lord you know I'm so grateful to God for sparing me I promise I'm not going to cry <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone knows me Linnell um, I've been on this ministry for like 15 years and thank you pastor for baptizing me and everything, changed, God touched me through this ministry. But one of what you were speaking about, I was back in 89, when AIDS was rampant. I was part of a sex, I just ran for sex and drugs and everything at that time, trying to fit in. 
And all those people I knew, every one of them are gone, dead. Praise God, I'm still here. He spared me. I am, I am so thankful that he thought I was worth being saved. I don't know if it's because I was child abuse in Virginia, three months old, and they say I had a black eye and all kind of crazy stuff happened to me, sex abuse at six years old. But you know what? I always feared God, even though I was out there running down a, a, a winding road going nowhere. The shame was there so in living in darkness, but then I still would go home and fall on my knees and say, God, how come I couldn't have been crippled? A blind, anything to be living like this. I love the Lord, and that's why y'all hear me get so emotional about it. I can praise God and can never tell you how good he's been to me. Because I put it in his hand, under your ministry, Pastor, I totally surrender. And I get emotional when I think about what he's done for me. Most of the people here know I've been through so much. You know, I had a kidney transplant less than three weeks in the Bible study from this church, and it lasts for five years. That's a miracle. I had, I, God had just been so remar- remarkable to me, and whatever I go through, I so put it in his hands, because you know what? I know he's going to bring me through. I've come too far to go back, and I want to thank everyone in here for being support, helping me through giving me the word I can call a hospital of what y'all, I can never put in words how grateful and humble I am to each and every one of y'all. Continue to keep me free because God has truly spared me. Only thing I said, put it all in his hand and let him to do the rest. God bless you. Yeah, I was just doing this. I was like, this is, reminds me of all of our lives, but especially Linnell, just to survive HIV and be undetectable. That's God protecting him physically. And to be saved when everybody else was lost, that's God's grace. It's God's grace. But, but we're all, that's all of us. God has protected each of us, delivered each of us from, from and just mercy and grace saved us, protected us. And, and that's, that's, that's a picture of what happened with, her, with, with Rahab. So Jericho is destroyed. And yet Rahab and her family are saved, which brings us next to the curse. The curse. The curse in verse 26, Joshua chapter 6, verse 26. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest will he set up its gates. The curse. This is scary, right? This isn't like a fake curse. This is a real curse given by God. It's so scary and so clear. And yet we find in first. Kings sixteen thirty four a shocking action and consequences. In verse first Kings sixteen thirty four it said in Ahab's time, Hile of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son Sagub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. 
shocking action and consequence. Why would he do that? Why would the Israelites help him do that? He didn't build it by himself. Why would they help him rebuild Jericho? Why did they go along with that? Because they didn't listen to God's clear warning. Because they didn't listen. They didn't, not, they didn't listen because they didn't believe God's word. They no longer believed God's word. Why? Why? We'll back up a couple of verses here. In 1 Kings 16, we see why. It was a wicked time. It was a wicked time. Verse 29. I'm going to back up a few verses. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and he began to serve Baal and worship him. <clears throat> he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. In Ahab's time... Hile of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of his firstborn son Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son Sagub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. It was a wicked time. It was the most wicked time in the history of Israel up to this point. And that's why Jericho was rebuilt. They didn't heed God's warning. They no longer believed God's word. And I believe we are seeing the same thing in the USA today. We are seeing, we are in the most wicked time in our history. If you know any history at all, this is the most wicked time in the United States today ever. Many Jerichos are being rebuilt. And we are suffering the consequences we are under God's judgment in many ways already, and it's just going to increase. If we look at Israel's history, there's three main areas of, of evil, of sin, of wickedness, of rebuilding Jericho's. There's three main ones that led to their judgment, and I think they're all connected to our country today. The first one was idolatry. <clears throat> the first one was idolatry. That was the big one. The worship of false gods. And in the United States today, we are a nation of idols. But even worse than just the idolatry and the false religions and the different religions that, that are being accepted and all the New Age garbage and the cults, is, is the, the, even the worst part is that we all worship the same God. Not only do we worship other gods, but we say that we all worship the same God. And, and just as... Just as the idols, God says in his word that the idols are demons. Demons have set themselves up to be worshipped in God's place. They're just worshipping demons. We have a demonic lie that we are following in the United States say that we all worship the same God. It's all the same God. But God's word says very, very different. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The apostles said in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Don't believe the demonic lie that we all worship the same God. And I don't care if a politician or a pope or whoever says it says it. Don't listen. It's a lie. It's a lie. A second very serious sin is the sexual sin that they were involved in. You see, idolatry wasn't just worshiping an idol, but we already talked about it, how it involved sexual sin. In fact, idolatry was sexual at its core. And, and there, that's why there was all, often temple prostitutes or even the priests. As the women would come in, they would have sex with the priests or the temple prostitutes. The men would go to have sex with the temple prostitutes. There was total promiscuity. Anything goes. Anything goes. There was no such thing as right or wrong when it came to sexuality. And that's what we are seeing in the United States today. We're seeing the effect of rejecting the one true God and the, re- the effect is a complete sexual perversion and depravity. And it's a result of rejecting the one true God. It's a consequence. In fact, I'm going to read to you from something from Romans 1, and I want you to connect the dot because it shows the progression of rejecting the one true God and the progression that is all predicted. It just goes for individuals. This goes for a society. This goes for a country. It goes for the entire world. But you can look at it as ourself, individually, or as the country. It's the same progression. Connect the dots. Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 18, where he says, I could probably quote it, but my mind's not what it was. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Now watch the connection. Whether you're an individual here, whether we're talking about our country, watch the connection. Verse 24, Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even the women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. 
Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them, over, gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. It's not just doing it, but it's approving of it. That is very serious in God's sight. I wouldn't personally do this, but I I think people have the right to do that. Very, very, very serious. You see the, the connect the dots. It's all the progression is all predicted. Individuals and society all predicted. <clears throat> A third thing that Israel was judged for, in addition to the idolatry and the sexual sin, the third thing is child sacrifice. Over and over you see that they made their child children pass through the fire. And that was because they were worshiping a god called Moloch. He was one of the idols. And in order to <clears throat> be blessed by Moloch, in order to get ahead, they were promised that if they were to sacrifice their child to Moloch, they would be, be given blessings. They would get ahead. They would get them ahead in life. And so what they would do is they would bring it to the, the child, to the temple of Moloch, the child. And they, uh, there was an idol with these metal arms. And they would put the baby into his arms. And there would be a fire glowing right underneath the arms there. Uh, hot coals. And they would start to beat the drum, the drums of Moloch. And they would start to hit the drum quiet and then louder and then louder and then louder. And then they would get really loud, deafening is what they would, they would do. These priests of Moloch would be hammering it. And then when it got loud enough, they would pull on the lever and the arms would slowly lower the baby into the fire to be cooked and burned. Why did they beat the drums so loud? Because if the mothers could hear the babies... They would never bring them back again. They would never bring another child if they could hear what was happening to these babies. And that's when you see passing through the fire. That's what they were doing. That's what the Israelites started to do over and over and over again. And that's what they were judged for. And there's a warning for us in the United States today. We are still sacrificing our children to the same demons that they sacrificed to Moloch. The names have just been changed, but it's the same child sacrifice. The silent scream, if you've never seen that, watch it. You'll see the babies are screaming as they're killed in the womb. The, the, they're drowned out by the lies of pro-choice Pro-choice. All these women's march that was just held. All these women that marched. I watched it and read about it. And the bottom line for the women's march was the right to kill a baby. That's why they're all in the streets marching recently. That is a sin. Just like killing the babies. It's the same demonic lie. And we're going to face judgment for it. Israel never fully repented. Never repented. And they... God finally sent the Assyrians and the Babylonians to judge them. What will we do? What will we do here in the United States? 
Next week, I'm going to talk about breaking the curse. I know this is a really hard sermon. God's word is, is hard. But next week, we're going to talk about breaking the curse. Don't miss next week because it talks about how to break it through Jesus Christ and being free, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. But I want to focus on, as we end here for prayer, I want to focus on our country, on the U.S. today. What will we do? We are under, if you look at Israel, if you look at the curse of Jericho, we are under a curse the curse of sin. We are under God's judgment. This is the most wicked time in our country's history is right now. And the only hope, get this guys, the only hope is us. The only hope is revival. That is the only hope for this country. The church must repent and be radically different. We have bought the worldview of the world and, and so many Christians and young people have bought the lies shocking. But we have to have a biblical worldview. We have to be radically different. And then and only then can there be a spiritual awakening. If there's a revival in the church, then the spiritual awakening can spread to the country. Nothing's going to change in the country until there's a revival here in the church. But once it starts here, it can spread to the country. We can have a spiritual awakening in the U.S. today. It's our only hope. Second Chronicles 7.13 says this. Second Chronicles 7.13 God says, When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, now get this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, if God's people, that's the only hope. If we will, if we, if we will, only we can reverse the curse in the United States today. If we will pray for revival, or revival that starts out with each one of us, and our, starts with our church, each church can spread to the United States. Will we seek God? Will we turn from our wicked ways? Will we become the holy church that God has called us to become? That is the only hope for the United States today, that we become the salt and light that we're called to be. That we'll get out there and be the salt and light in our communities, in our schools, on our school boards, in, in at the crisis pregnancy centers, witnessing at work and, 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 and reaching people and living in a way that... that we will be salt and light and, and, and reach people. Only we can reverse the curse in this country. It has to start in our lives, in our church, in the church of Jesus Christ. And you may be here today and, and you're not a Christian yet. You're still under a curse. Every one of us is born under a curse and we own that curse. But you don't have to stand under that curse. Galatians 3.10 says this, in Galatians 3.10, it talks about that curse. It says, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Everybody who tries to be good enough to get into heaven is under a curse. Why? For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Every time we sin, we own the curse of sin. We own God's wrath. We own God's judgment. Every time. Every one of us has broken God's law many, many, many times. We deserve 
God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath. We are under a curse. That's the bad news. But Jesus Christ has broken the curse. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He went on that cross and took our sin on himself. He took our every one of us, our sin, our shame, our guilt. He took our curse on himself, the punishment for sin, he completely took it upon himself on that cross in our place. So what do we do? The curse has been broken by Jesus Christ. How can we own that breaking of that curse? How can we experience that? How can our own curse be broken because of what Jesus did? Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by Faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Christ Jesus by faith. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that curse can completely be broken. We no longer have to fear God's judgment, His wrath. God loved us so much that He, God does love us. God loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son to die in our place. So that curse can be broken. Have you had that curse broken in your life? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to each one of us? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ Jesus. And what he did on the the cross in our place. You're still under God's judgment, under his wrath. But you don't have to stay there. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. We have a choice. To remain under the curse. Or to allow Jesus Christ to break that curse in our life. You can do that right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It's the prayer of faith. God, please forgive me. I repent of my sin. I don't want it anymore. I repent. And I put my faith In Jesus, what he did in my place, I put my trust in him, my hope in him, my faith in him to forgive me, to give me a new life. I want that new life in Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. The curse has been broken. Sin, Satan, death, the evil, this world we live in, has, the power has all been broken in your life. You now have a new life in Jesus Christ. 
your life will never be the same. You can now go forward and fight your battles and claim the promises, our promised land. Make sure you let somebody know. You can tell me on the way out. You can tell someone else that you're here with or know here. Let somebody know. Because we're going to encourage you and help you in this battle, in your new life in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, that curse has been broken, but how is God speaking to us about the curses of the Jerichos that are existing in this country today? In our our lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, in our neighborhoods, in our government. How is God speaking to each one of us to begin to pray, to begin to turn from wickedness, to pray for revival and to pray for a spiritual awakening? Father, we pray that you would move in our hearts, that in each of our hearts you would move in revival that it would move through our church and many, many churches in our country, that there would be a spiritual awakening. We know that you often send revival in the most wicked time when there's no more hope. We feel like we're there, Father. We're asking you to send revival. Let it start in our hearts. Let it start in our church. Let it start in your church. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.